first time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Uh, and it was going place. That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. <laughs> Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWP In The Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the drowned god Cathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town. Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherlode. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. Yo, hope you guys are out there enjoying the new year. 2020 is finally over. It is 2021, motherfuckers. Time for new things. New opportunities. Speaking of opportunities, this week's guest is Vidvat, or as we're going to call him in the interview, per his request, Victor. Uh, you may also know him as Quick Tequila, the developer of the Lovely Planet series. Some really incredible, cute, I don't even know how to put it, just awesome puzzle first-person shooters that Highly encouraged speedrunning. We're going to get into all that here in the interview. We're also joined by Gelmosan of In the Keep, who is my right hand man. If you if you like anything In the Keep does, especially our esports stuff, Gelmosan is the man behind it. But he was truly passionate about this game, and I invited him to help me out with the interview because he's far more versed in Quick Tequila's games than I am. So. Please enjoy this. It's a really fun conversation. We're not going to talk for too long today. Play a little bit of music from the soundtrack to Lovely Planet. And soon you will be in the heat with Quick Tequila. Cool. So yeah, my name is Vidvat. Uh, I'm the one-man developer behind uh, Quick Tequila. I made all of the the Lovely Planet games. So Lovely Planet, Lovely Planet Arcade, Super Lovely Planet, and most recently Lovely Planet Two. <laughs> and they're they're all like cutesy. Uh, most of them are shooter games. Uh, they're they're all cute and happy and funny, and uh, they've got a lot of color in it. But they also get very difficult. So that's uh, it's kind of like a speed run affair. So yeah, that's that's basically what I what I do. So when you first set out to make the first Lovely Planet game, like what what had been your experience up to then in development? So I've been a hobbyist like game developer since the very beginning, like as far as I can remember. I've always wanted to, you know, play games and and make games. I I picked up computer programming when I was super young. I was like 8 years old and uh, I was uh, I was I was I was always hacking up like small demos of like you know little games, nothing commercial. Like I would never, I would never put anything out like commercially before Lovely Planet. 
lots of like small demos all the way through high school and and university i was just i was dedicated like my life was just there was one thing that i have to do and that's to make video games so so it, it, there was never really any question there so that was mostly my experience was just uh, hacking up games uh, of my own some of them i would put out for people to play uh but yeah lovely planet was the first time where i like put it out and and it got some traction so it 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 turned into like a you know an indie game so where were you where were you at originally when you were first got into gaming uh i was super young so i was born brought up in new delhi india okay uh and uh i've uh, always had like a fascination for video games my dad got home a, a sega genesis i think one of those bootleg version uh sega genesis with the with 100 games in one cartridges nice and i was a big fan of yeah and like a uh, sonic the hedgehog i never got into like the whole like nintendo uh, uh like games so i never played like tetris and mario growing up uh, i mean i eventually played them but i started off with uh, stuff like sonic and and contra and and all of those games and uh i i, I always knew that i was just going to you know uh, one day you know grow up and make video games so Yeah most of uh, in I was in New Delhi when I was working on Lovely Planet. Okay. Just want to throw it out there. Mm-hmm. Sonic blows away Mario. It's so much faster. Yeah That's yeah yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I just like I was I, I was uh, you know very new to video games and Sonic was just oh my god he's going so fast and and all of that. But yeah then like I learned about other games and I realized that Sonic is I mean it's it's okay I guess like it, it had its charm back in the day but uh, there's like the Nintendo games were definitely a lot better better designed well, in every Mario, way. Mario had you know the brand on its side and it was quite innovative as the, the first kind of game in that genre to really take off with like you know the character the strong character based mm-hmm. platformer. Of course. But Sonic mm-hmm. like considering that you know the systems that it was on is more impressive like it really went out of the fucking way to just turn whatever console they happened to be using Sonic on to the limit until Mario 64 and then i have to like hand it over and say all right Mario 64 you you take the cake but right right didn't uh, didn't they have that whole marketing you know back and forth with uh, sonic being like on the sega genesis it had the what was it what were they calling it the beast processor or something I uh, I, I, yeah so that was like i think I, i don't know sonic was like the sega's answer to to mario i think and mm-hmm. back in the day that was the that was the console wars of of, of that generation i guess Yeah, it was like WWF versus WCW of the time, like Mario versus uh, right. Sonic. And then, I mean, nowadays they're facing each other in the Olympics, so we're not totally wrong. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. But let's uh, let's get back to you. So we kind of left off where Lovely Planet. You know, you you were mm-hmm. making that in New Delhi, and then did you did you feel like this is the one? This is going to be the hit when you were making it. Well. Or? when i when i started working on it it was like any other project you know like i would just work on it because i thought it was fun like uh, i I'd, i'd made a lot of games at that point like not commercial games but games that i just completed so i i learned that lesson where like i wasn't just hacking away on a game just for you know the the sake of it i was also you know determined to like complete it and then and make it a, like a complete product mm-hmm. and uh, i i got out of university and that was the time when i was like okay i've got nothing to do you know i was in my parents house uh 
I've got no responsibilities. I've got no job, nothing. I'm, what am I going to do with all this free time? I'm going to make a video game, right? And uh, I, spent, I spent a good six months on it, actually, without anyone, like, you know, talking about it or, or seeing it or, you know, I didn't know if there's going to be interest in this game. I had no idea if it's going to be the next big thing or my, my first, like, commercial game or anything like that. I had no idea about it, but I just, I stuck to it. And um, I was maintaining, a, like, a small devlog uh, for the game, I would post some updates. No one would read my blog at the time. A uh, couple of websites where I posted about the game to get some feedback. Uh, uh, TIG forums, I think, back in the day, it was pretty active. And um, I was putting out like short, like trailers. You know, I would just that 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 was like a, a fun. It still is like a very like fun and interesting part of what I do. I really like, you know, teasing a game that I'm working on. So I would make a trailer and put it up. You know, all like uh, copied like audio sound effects from the internet and i would just you know record some gameplay and put it out there and then it was sometime in december of 2013 i think kotaku picked up the game and they wrote a short article about it and suddenly like 25000 plus people were like looking at that you know looking at screenshots of my game <laughs> and that's 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 how it's yeah that, that that was that was the moment where i was like oh hold on one second maybe this is going to be a thing you know, so I, I called up a couple of my friends, uh, a few people that I knew in the industry back home in India. They gave me some, you know, uh, f- they gave me some feedback. They gave me some guidance. I uh, uh, sent out a few emails to, you know, pitch the game to publish- publishers and uh, finally landed a deal with uh, the awesome guys over at Tiny Build Games. And they were like, yeah, we're going to we're going to help you finish this thing. And uh, yeah, then I worked on the game for another six, six to eight months. And um, three days after it came out, PewDiePie was playing it on his channel. <laughs> it's uh, that's phenomenal for a debut yeah, kind of indie game. You know, even though it does have a publisher, but the amount mm-hmm. of content that you have in that first game is such an incredible value. Before we even start talking about you know how good of a game it actually is. It's so much. Like you could do this forever, and it's the most. It's like a sticking a syringe of fresh black tar heroin right in your veins every time you play it. Mm-hmm. Hundred yeah. levels, hundred plus so, levels. That was yeah. one of the marketing, uh, like one of the lines, uh, back of the box lines. It was like, you've got a hundred levels. You're gonna love yeah, it. It's a very <laughs> impressive offering, especially for mm-hmm. a single developer game. And you, yeah, you did all of this completely on your own. Like, there's no other level designers, no other artists, anything. All of the programming, the design, the art, uh, I did by myself. Uh-huh. Uh, the audio, uh, some of the sound effects, and all of the the the, so- the soundtrack was uh, okay. done by Callum Bowen. Uh, yeah, so yeah, basically all of the art and the the programming, I did that myself. So I want to start with talking about the art style. Like, where did what crazy acid dream did you come up with this in? Uh, why yeah i get Why that not? asked a lot i i yeah uh, so i mean I've, uh, I've i have like this design philosophy where like i know i'm the only person working on the game right if i'm gonna have if, if i'm gonna finish something it has to be something that i can scale something yeah. that i can you know pull off on my own i need i know this before going into any game if i'm working on it myself i have to pick something that you know first of all it can't be photorealistic it, it, if I have to spend, you know, two months on one level to like texture it and 
make it look realistic and all it's just not going to work right i know this already like if i really wanted to make a game like that if it was really important for it to be photorealistic i would put in the effort but uh, going into like working on a game which i know i'm going to be working on myself uh, at the back of my head i already know it's going to be something quick and dirty in terms of you know the art style and that was the the initial in my head that was what i was going into lovely planet thinking that okay it's got to be something that i can you know just slap together and it'll just work right everything was modular everything had to just fit and at the time it was just a prototype for a first person shooter game right it was just a a platformer with you know enemies that would like shoot bullets at you like simple stuff mm-hmm. and um during the during the first two months of development i discovered for the first time in my life japanese pop music yeah uh, that, that that's basically where the art style comes from i was watching these crazy like japanese uh, videos with really like abstract colorful art and you know obviously like a the a cute like japanese girl like dancing around and and singing in this like awesome like japanese music now and 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 on the side of like on one tab you know we have this video playing and i i just all tab away into like this unity project which is just you know a bare bones shooter game i was like hmm why not why 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 not you know throw in some some color over here mm-hmm. so that that was basically the inspiration at the time and also it made sense to me because you know if you want to play uh, a greedy like uh, military based first person shooter game there's already so many of them out there right and and i knew that this is one way to stand out like this is one way where if if somebody looks at a screenshot of your game they 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 can you know instantly identify it as like being something different and and unique so it it had it had all those things going for it so it it made sense to 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 make it all cutesy and and weird no you successfully tricked a bunch of people who ordinarily wouldn't play first person shooters into doing it like you know it's like not even something you really think about if you're coming from like oh look at that beautiful artwork i want to try that game out and if they're really into you know cutesy games and there's a huge market for that obviously then you've just tricked them into basically playing doom as far as i'm concerned because the gameplay is very much like a chess match it's so cool i love right. it <laughs> like right and, right, right and for right. me I don't care what graphics you use as long as it feels good. And that was like the, mm-hmm. kind of the big selling point you gave me on it, Gilmo. So I'd actually like to turn it over to you to ask a few questions if you don't mind. Yeah, I got a few questions about uh, how you <laughs> chose the, the gameplay mechanics that you chose. The uh, yeah. One of the biggest appealing things to me about Lovely Planet overall is that the gameplay characteristics are equally tailored for beginners as they are for, or as the mechanics are tailored for, you know, experienced FPS mm-hmm. players and even AFPS players. You chose to use, you know, a rocket launcher, essentially, a projectile weapon as your right. primary weapon, the mm-hmm. only weapon. The, yeah. the weapon does not always shoot in the center of the screen. The weapon moves mm-hmm. while you move, and that affects your, your yep. trajectory of your projectiles, just like in the Tribe series. Mm-hmm. Um, and... On top of that, as you progress further through the game, what started off as an opportunity to speedrun becomes an essential part of playing the game. So you're Mm -hmm. mixing these advanced, you know, gameplay mechanics while presenting them for a beginner audience 
but mm-hmm. you're also teaching those beginner players how to become extremely skillful and precise FPS players. Because when you get to the last world or the fourth world of Lovely Planet 1, for example, you literally cannot beat a level without speedrunning. You're going to miss mm-hmm. the uh, the balls, for example. I don't know what, what you refer to them as, but the balls that shoot up and come down, you have mm-hmm. to shoot them before they land on the ground, and it simply is not possible to do that without tackling the level as if it is a speedrun. So I'm just right. curious on how you chose you know, that combination of gameplay mechanics. Right, right. That's it. You you put it in a very flattering way as if like I put, you know, all that thought into it. I, I did, uh, but it, it all didn't like it just, you know, it, it wasn't uh, something that I threw into like a game design document or, or something like that, where it all came to me in, in, in one go. And I was like, all right, this is the game that I'm going to work on. And I can see every level, uh, you know, that I'm going to put into the game. It was a very like a, a piecemeal process for me. Like uh, not a lot of people know this. Uh, when I started prototyping Lovely Planet, it wasn't called Lovely Planet. It was actually a stealth game, right? I I just booted up Unity. I was like, what am I going to do today? I'm going to make a video game and it's going to be, you know, first person and you're going to move around and it's going to be awesome. And and that's that was it. And and I, I put like an enemy in the game and I and I called it a turret and, and it would, you know, spawn a bullet and just, you know, send it my way, uh, like at the player. And I was like, okay, where can I take it from here? Okay, and that was, I think, how most of the game came together eventually. Like that process of just looking at what I've got in front of me, how can I make it interesting? How can I add to it? Uh, that, that, that basically all the mechanics that you're seeing in the game, they basically come from there. So again, my design philosophy has always been, you know, gameplay first, uh, keep it simple. Always like, I, I, I love it when, things are like simple and easy for players to understand like i myself play very simple games the, all the games that i've been really into they've all been very simple i've uh, i i can't do the games with like all those numbers in them and then you have to like sit down and like make decisions i'm i, I like my games really simple and lovely planet i wanted that in lovely planet as well so uh, like you said you know a rocket launcher like for me it was just a gun which like fires uh, a projectile instead of hit scan because Hitscan just, you know, the, every Call of Duty game does it. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make it different. So <clears throat> you, you you take the same bullet that, you know, I put in the turret. I put it on my gun. And then uh, before you know it, you know, I, I play a level and my bullet goes towards the turret. The turret fires back and the bullets collide. And I'm like, hey, that's actually a pretty good mechanic where, like, I can just shoot off, you know, the bullets that enemies are throwing at me. That's like a cool, like high skill thing to do for for players who are, you know, going to be better at the game, right? That's one way to, if you want to not avoid enemies, you can just shoot the bullets out of, you know, the air, and 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 that's great. So that's another mechanic, like in 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 the box, right? So I'm gonna keep that. Uh, from there, uh, I realized that I don't want players to like just, you know, treat it like a cover shooter where you're just like sitting in one spot and like firing at enemies and. The first couple of levels, you can do that. After that, I was like, hmm, there's got to be some way to get players to, you know, pick up the pace a little bit and, uh, like, not sit in one place because I don't want to encourage, like, uh, for the game to be played uh, slowly. So what do you do? You, you, you add something that, you know, if you don't get to it in time, then you die. So that's where the apple bombs come, uh, right? Uh, the... That's what that's what they're called in the game. Also, like, there none of the enemies or any of the entities in the game. They don't. They're never given a name. 
outside of like uh, some help text that's uh, that calls enemies baddies other than that yeah i just uh, you know let's let's uh, take the, me- the mechanics from uh, you know duck hunt where like there's just projectiles there's just stuff that you have to shoot out of the uh, out of the sky and uh, the bombs really you know they really fit th- uh, they fit that 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 problem that i was trying to solve so piece by piece these mechanics started to just you know uh, uh, they just more of the levels saw more of these mechanics come in and um yeah we can go on from there like world 3 world 4 world 5 like all of them like very similar process very similar process yeah that's, that's so that's impressive it. you definitely happened upon a winning uh a winning equation for making a satisfying and widely marketable game thanks thanks yeah it was uh yeah, it was a lot of things that fell into place. Uh, sometimes I don't even know how, like, I did it. Things just, I think, like, at the time, like, I, I wrote about this on my blog also, where it, there was just a certain time uh, while while I was working on Lovely Planet where things would just fall into place. I would have no way to explain, like, how I came up with them. And, and they would make complete sense, you know, also in the aesthetics of the game and the mechanics of the game and and like i didn't have those two things in my head when i was like working on like solving that problem like you come up with a solution to a problem and then you suddenly realize that you've solved like three other pro- problems that you're going to run into but you had no idea because like it's just it fit right and a lot of like uh, the development of lovely planet was like that you know the enemies are square and that makes them like you know targetable like that you can easily see what you have to shoot and uh the bullets are all the same color because they all behave the same way. Uh, bullets can take out enemies also. Like if they're firing bullets, they can you know take out the 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 bombs and stuff like that. So everything just kind of fit. Between you know, the, you take a, a player from the first world who can barely do anything. Like anyone could play that first level and figure it out pretty quickly, and it would be fun. And then by the time we're, you know, a few levels down the road, you're asking people to do like a jumping fadeaway 180 shot and then turn around and right. kill another enemy who's already firing at them. And the like the learning curve is so insane and so quick because I think it like after I want to say level three, I, I was looking at Gelmo because he asked me to play this and I was like, uh, dude, I don't know. This game just seems like it's for children. He's like, just stick to it. Just stick to it. <laughs> and then. Right. Now I'm, you know, openly cursing. <laughs> if I don't get three stars, yep. I consider it a failure. And God. yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, people yeah. just like uh, players set their own goals. Like you can, you can get one star and like you know keep playing. But no, some players are just like, nah, I can't let the game tell me that I'm not good enough. Yeah. And that's how they, you know, in some ways it's fun and challenging, but it also like. Uh, if you take it too far, it becomes like less exciting. Some some players leave the game because they, they don't want to, you know, play through it being told that they're not good enough, right? Yeah. So players set their own goals. Yeah. It really is a lot a of the Go ahead. a lot of the uh, balancing, right, uh, of the game, uh, the way it came out, uh, how it gets super difficult the moment you get to World Two, when the bombs show up. Uh, that wasn't like. That wasn't really planned. It was play tested a little bit. Like I saw some players struggling with it, and I knew that that's something that I could fix, but I didn't. I just I I decided not to. So that I think that it it that, that's part of the charm of the game, where it just it lulls you into playing this cute you know shooter game in the first world, and then it just it it just it's like all right, 
I got you. Now, now you're in, you know, for a ride. And then that's, uh, I think that's that that really that really worked. Uh, I didn't realize that uh, while I was working on the game. It, it's something that really hit me after. So I don't want to take too much of the credit there. <laughs> but it come it becomes like without ever changing the art style into like act literally going into like oh here and then the trip begins. You make it like a nightmare. Like it's really you're playing like ultra violent level uh, like skill level stuff at at some mm-hmm. point and without ever realizing how you got there and it's just you know that it I think by the fourth world you you have the enemies that were their their bullets are tracing you and then you're asking people to hit mm-hmm. multiple projectiles midair before yep. you can like to simply to complete the level so at the very mm-hmm. basis you're asking someone to do something that in a, a like a pro level quake player would probably not be able to accomplish right. in their mind right yeah and but also at the same time like while all of this is happening there's cute music playing in the back yes. so it's it's <laughs> the game's mocking you right yes such a good combination it's really right beautiful. that really worked mm-hmm. so so Thanks. where did you go from there like what was uh looking at the sophomore album like for you mm-hmm. yeah uh lovely planet was that was just uh, a dream come true really at the time uh yeah, I always wanted to make games, man. I always wanted to make games and have like people play it and like tell me how much they enjoyed it and all of that. That was like the kid inside me was just like you did it, right? That was that was what it was like at the time. Uh, after that, like I, I I tried to you know make a couple of more lovely planet games, uh, and I didn't want to you know do the same game over and over again. Uh, I did make more lovely planet games, but they were all different. So lovely planet arcade was like more of like a puzzle, a puzzle first person shoot yeah yeah and it was Love like you that. can't look up and down you, you enjoyed that game like not a lot of people played that game uh, i've i've played probably 2000 hours of puzzle and logic and co-op games on the steam platform mm-hmm. i'm a huge fan of puzzle games and logic games mm-hmm. and uh lovely planet arcade definitely fills that itch for me that's that's awesome because like i i felt that players were just expecting a like more of like a lovely planet kind of game and it it, it was called lovely planet and that's i don't know like the whole marketing aspect of like making games is is still pretty much a mystery to me so i think players just didn't go in uh expecting the game that it was uh it's almost like Lovely planet isn't really a brand that describes the gameplay but it's rather the environment that the gameplay takes place in May I? Uh, Very much so. Yeah. I, if I were to, this is not a suggestion. It's just like an observation, based on what you've mm-hmm. done so far. You know how mm-hmm. Devolver handles the Serious Sam franchise, where Serious Sam used to just describe a first-person shooter game where you run backwards, but now it's it just it's just an art style, a character, and then you can throw them into whatever genre you want. They try to do the same thing with Duke Nukem. Uh, you know, where like you, there's you right. Duke games that are 2D platformers. You have Duke games that are mm-hmm. first-person shooters, go and so on and so forth. And yep, yep, that's what I see you doing with this franchise. Like you can explore any genre of game you want as long as you kind of mm-hmm. carry what makes Lovely Planet, Lovely Planet with it. So, for right. instance, you Which played is, uh, yeah. Hotline Miami, right? Yep. Like you could easily like take these same characters and enemies and kind of throw them into a totally different program and do it that way. Right. You know, right. That's, right. 
it's a beautiful thing. Like it's really, really, I, I don't, again, cause you keep saying like it all happened accidentally. It wasn't part of my plan, but it very much to the outside as a marketer looking at you looks like a great mm-hmm. opportunity. Right. I did. I think I did a little bit of that with uh, mm-hmm. Lovely Planet Arcade and Super Lovely Planet. Super Lovely Planet, for example, it's a uh, third person platformer mm-hmm. with no shooting. Right. And uh, I kind of really enjoyed doing that because for me, I wanted to explore like different play styles, different mechanics, different, you know, gameplay. Uh, I have, uh, you know, I don't play a lot of third person platformers, but I really wanted to, you know, try something new uh, with, with, with Super Lovely Planet. And uh, I, I'm not sure still if it was a good idea to have the same aesthetic and the same brand name on a game that's completely different. Uh, I don't know if it was if it would have been a game that was received better if it didn't have the same name and aesthetic. I still don't know. Like, uh, if you can give me examples of like, I don't know how Serious Sam. I've not really followed on the the, the Serious Sam or, or Duke Nukem games, but there are. I can I can name only a few games that that do that where they carry this one aesthetic and they do different genres of, of of games under it. Like, are there any other examples of that? Okay, so let's just take Serious Sam for example, since it's the first one I brought up, right? I so would you say have, Mario. Oh well, of course Mario is another great example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so you have the first and second encounter of Serious Sam and Serious. That those are straight up like almost Doom clone style games. Like it, there were the things about yeah. Series Sam that made it unique, but overall, just a straight up retro first person shooter. Mm-hmm. Series Sam Two becomes more of like an adventure game. They, they try to recapture these things with uh, you know Series Sam Three and Four, but it's not that it's the the side marketing stuff. So the spinoff games that really make it look stand out to me. So you have. Uh, Serious Sam on the Advance, which is still a first-person shooter, but it's a Game Boy Advance-style first-person shooter. Mm-hmm. Then you have Serious Sam Double D, which is a straight-up 2D platformer shooter. Uh, the Random Encounter, right. like, they go absolutely crazy to the point where they get to a point where you have Serious Sam, which was one of my favorites, Tournamental. And this is a like a top-down roguelike shooter, in a, but with Whoa. still Serious Sam as the main character of the game. And so... Right. What they've done is they've taken that brand name and of you know this is a character that we all know and love and you'll probably buy it because you're familiar with it, but they just mm-hmm. shop it out to like different like hey you guys want to take the Sam brand and make a roguelite game do it you guys want to make a 2D shooter why not and then diversify your right. investments and then you end up with this character that you know like let's say I'm some kid and I just picked up a like, oh I like roguelites I'll check that out and now it's like mm-hmm. oh I really like this character. And then I'll look it up. What is Serious Sam all about? And then they end up buying every other game mm-hmm. in that chain. So right, right. That, does that make sense? I guess the way it, I'm explaining it. It does make sense. It does. Like I, I get the the appeal of like, hey, you're in it for the the aesthetic and the character and the yeah. story and all of that, or you're in it for, hey, I want to try this new kind of you know game out because I'm into this uh, particular genre, right? So you can really branch out from there and get like different people on board. There's one situation where I think it's all got to do with how you communicate it. I feel that you can. I, I feel that you can really betray like fans of like uh, the previous game, right? If if someone if if the, if you had fans who were like completely into the gameplay and they loved every you know like uh, aspect of it, and then you come out with a, a game that has the same name really, but it's completely different. So 
I think if you you have to be very careful with the way you're you know you're talking to you know uh, the way you're doing your marketing and the way you're talking to players, and you let them know that hey, this is not the same game, and you should know that. And, and I think like if you if if that's something you can manage and if you can do properly, then yeah, this is something that you know is uh, that that, that it, it can work. I think. Right. Uh, but with Lovely Planet, I think we didn't. I, I don't think the messaging for for Arcade was. I, I think we could have done a better job of of calling it a puzzle first person shooter, for example, uh, which which kind of I think I skipped on. And if if that was the case, I think it would have it would have it would have I think uh, it would have been received better. I mean you. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, you don't want to have your favorite Japanese pop band, and if they woke up tomorrow and put out like a an American traditional bluegrass album, that might divide mm-hmm. fans. Right, right. Yeah, but also developers, like even musicians, do this, right? Like even mm-hmm. bands do this. They evolve. Like their their albums change, right? Like they don't keep making the same genre of music. They they do it once, and then they also want to just like grow and learn, and like their tastes change. Their attitudes change they're not you know young forever so they like they make different kind of music uh as they you know go on and i think the it works the same way it should work the same way with some developers also where i i i mean personally i don't want to keep making the same game over and over again sure. uh yeah so th- that's why i feel that yeah it's uh i i stand by the the, the games that i made i think they were really fun to make and uh i still get like you know positive um feedback for for all the other games in the lovely planet series as well so there are players out there who 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 liked you know a third person platformer in the lovely planet franchise yeah even within the original lovely planet it's very clear that there's significantly more people playing it without the the hardcore gamer perspective like you know when you unlock an achievement for acing an entire world for example it'll tell you Mm -hmm. that you know, like two and a half percent of people have right. unlocked this achievement. <laughs> right. And yes. to me at first, that's crazy because mm-hmm. to me, as somebody who really enjoys the difficulty and the speed running combined, that's mm-hmm. the only way to play the game. Just like right. Willow was saying, three stars or nothing. So for <laughs> me to see that three stars you know, are only two percent of the players yeah. have, you know, accomplish this, it just blows <laughs> my mind. It's like yeah. Wow, right. how are all these people playing this game and not accomplishing it? That's the best part. The, yeah, that's it's the so most enjoyable. interesting part. That's the 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 part that's the that's the reason why I feel that the game reaches you know all these people, all these different players because there are so many different players, man. Like everyone yeah. is looking for something so completely different, and I like I am a certain style of video game player. Like I like to play games of a certain kind and I like to play them a certain way and I take something away from it. And everyone has their own version of it. Like you can put them in buckets, right? Like you can you have we have all these like we have a whole taxonomy around it. Like hyper casual games and casual games and hardcore players and whatever. Like we there the, but these are just names, right? They 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 mean something but they're they're not like a uh, they, they don't solve the, this problem of like uh, figuring out what players want and what they take away from a game. That's like a very nuanced thing. And and Lovely Planet does that because it allows you to play, you know, competitively, like there are leaderboards. And then it also lets you just hang around and have fun if that's what you're in for, at least for the first couple of levels. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah. That's actually a really good segue to another long question I have for you. So, mm-hmm. 
in regard to catering the game towards a wide variety of players and the game being able to be enjoyed by a wide variety of players who have a variety of play styles, Hmm. you made a very explicit choice that I'm very happy with that a lot of game developers are not okay with. When you included, you included two things in the game that allowed for a totally different gameplay experience. Number one, the leaderboards, and number two, achievements that reward you for not playing the level the correct way. For example, going out of the way to find, um, you know, like the secret graveyard, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, You are rewarding people for intentionally playing the game incorrectly. They're not necessarily trying to beat the level as fast as possible while you know, playing the, the level the way it's intended to be played, they're trying to figure out how to break the level so they can go around backwards and hit another person first or play mm-hmm. most of the level standing right next to the end zone. And, and right. set off most some developers, of the mm-hmm. right, yeah. most developers, when they see that stuff happening in their game, they'll jump in, they'll patch those issues and say, no, we need you guys to play it the way that we intended it. But you, right. you said, oh, that's awesome. Let's add a leaderboard. You guys have fun. Make this game whatever you want it to be. And that right. is that's that tells me everything I need to know about a developer. You're not right. in this to to just, you know, get a cash grab and jump in and jump out. You really mm-hmm. are trying to make the most enjoyable game possible for the most amount of people and you are changing your perspective on the game to make sure that that is accomplished. And that is something that I really want to congratulate you for um and uh if you have any comments on you know that speed running and game breaking combination i would be very interested in hearing that first of all thanks man like yeah i i i've been i've been following games development for you know the longest time i have you know people who i look up to kind of games that like i grew up with Uh, and i think all of those things like influenced me and all the micro decisions that went into making lovely planet and all the little mechanics, the achievements, the secrets, the leaderboards and all of those things. Like there, there was, there was some like a combination of like, you know, some thinking that went into it. Right. I, uh, the moment you tell the player how to play the game, you're doing it wrong. I think like players should be able to enjoy the game the, the way they want to enjoy it. If they find a fun way to play their game, that's all like your game. That's awesome. Right. Like if you enjoy it this way, go ahead and do that, right? I have a few ways that I know that I could, you know, play this game and enjoy it. And I design all the things around them so that I make sure that it's like a smooth experience. But outside of that, once you give the players to the the game to the players, they can do whatever the hell they want with it, right? And you should be okay with that. Like, I'm not going to go in and like change things uh, to, you know, make players, uh, to force players to, you know, play it a certain way. So... The achievements, the leaderboards, first of all, they were not part of the original like game. They they came out after the game was released. Uh, I did not want to put leaderboards in the game initially because I felt that, uh, first of all, it was a technical challenge for me at the time. I did not know how to do leaderboards. Uh, but yeah, Tiny Build, my publisher, they were like, you should really put leaderboards. And I'm like, actually, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Let's do it. Uh, and we added the leaderboards and that turned out to be a big part of the game. Like lots of players really want to, you know, have their name show up there on on a tiny indie game that, 
you know, a couple of people are playing. Like so for some people, that's the thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, sure, man, I get it. Like you should, you know, you, if you want to compete on this game, you should, you should do that. And then there's, you know, speedrunners who are like finding ways to break your game. That I expected. Like I saw that coming from a mile away. And the, the genius, creative ways they, you know, they they run across levels. It's it's amazing to see that. Like that someone best you at your own game. Oh man, that was just uh, that. That's that's a whole different feeling. And, it really uh, adds infinite replay value. Oh yeah, some players see they're 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 they've discovered their way of playing the game. They've found that you can you know the game doesn't force you into playing uh, like a certain way because the the levels are kind of loosely designed, right? Uh, and and then that's their that that's their ticket to like do whatever the hell they want with the game, right? They have their you know they have few rules that they follow. And uh, outside of that, they do whatever they want. And speedrunning is a thing, right? Like every game has this. All games have bugs, right? Or like a like an unintentional like way, like an unintended way to play it, right? And um, did I design for that in a certain way? Yeah. Like I didn't really see all the shortcuts while I was like designing the levels, but I knew that if somebody really wanted to like get on the leaderboard and they were willing to do insane things, uh, they could you know figure it out. Even without a crosshair, they could just do it. And I was like, right. "Is that gonna break the game for most players? No, it's not actually. Like, uh, is the speed running paths where you take all the shortcuts less fun? Maybe, maybe not. I don't really need to design that part of the game. Like, I don't need to be sure of like all the shortcuts and and all of that because then it looks like the developer just went in and like did it for you. So it takes away from the 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 reward that the players are getting from like finding shortcuts and breaking the game. Uh, so that aspect of it is definitely, I think, for speedrunners, uh, uh, it's it's a very big part of the game. Tell sure. me real quick. Uh, yeah. I'm actually going to step away and make myself another drink real quick, but please, please uh, feel free to keep talking, and I will rejoin you. Sure, later. sure. Sure. Yeah, and yeah, the secrets. The secrets also. Uh, <clears throat> I wanted achievements. And uh, if you like, if you look at all the achievements, all the hidden parts of the game, they're all references to uh, Akira Kurosawa's movies. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So that's I just wanted to throw like, you know, I'm I'm a fan, so I'm gonna I'm gonna fanboy out, you know, every opportunity that I get. So I threw in like a couple of movie references. That's so cool. Yeah. What's the uh, what? What was the main? j-pop group that influenced the game the most what was the biggest individual influence in the game uh, in the design of the game the visual design the visual design i think initially it's not like a direct uh inspiration like it was one of the first and one of the biggest inspirations at the time uh kari pamyu pamyu uh okay. she's yeah yeah she's she had a bunch of videos coming out during that time she was at her peak and man the the music is just amazing like uh uh yasutaka nakata i think i don't know how to say his name uh he's the composer behind it and man those that that music is just super catchy and the visuals are so out there they're so different from all of like western pop media culture that you get to consume right like it's all it's, it's so different like it's it's uncomfortable to watch for some people because you know there's like girls dressed in like a questionable age and and it's all like high-pitched voices and like some it's not for some people i get it but just the the creativity that goes into it the artwork all the animations playing at the back it's like cute and it's grotesque 
no nobody does that and and it was it it took me by like by surprise i was like wow this is so fresh like this is just so awesome right and i thought that what if i could just you know take this this vibe really like this this uh this feeling um so it wasn't like i was picking like direct like color palettes or or like objects or or whatever or animation styles or anything i was just like i need i need my game to feel a little bit like this so that's i think carry pamyo pamyo was one and then a lot of other like japanese music perfume is this other band again like produced by the same guy uh same composer uh, what else um yeah i think i think that those two i think i was like just on my spotify they were just on repeat <laughs> like all the time i was just listening to that stuff that's so awesome we should uh maybe get a list of some artists from you and we could include those in the uh in the post about the podcast maybe we could sure, put sure, sure. some of those popular videos in there definitely definitely i i think i went uh above and beyond in uh, lovely planet 2 uh, not a lot of people know this nobody really discovered it uh, so it's uh, all the text in the game like on the walls like in the world they're all names of songs oh uh, that's very cool yeah they're all names of songs that i was listening to while i was working on lovely planet 2 and that was uh, not j-pop it was uh, this other uh, genre of music called uh, future funk uh, oh, yeah, so it's I like, like future funk you like future funk oh man oh my god i was just like 2017 i was just listening to future funk like all the time i discovered night tempo i discovered desired oh my god like that music was just you know like when you find the kind of music that just resonates like with with your soul like it was it was kind of like that for me and uh so i just i the, the, i mean none of the music in the game is inspired by that but i i i was just such a fan that was like i got to i got to pay my dues man so i just like i threw in all that all the all the names of tracks cuz they're all like you know about like love and and being happy and all of that so it really just fits into like you know the lovely planet aesthetic also have you ever considered using you know your proprietary assets that are the 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 visuals behind lovely planet have you ever thought about using that as a music video to make a music video for a j-pop or future punk group and i literally gonna ask the same question yeah i so a lot of um how do i approach this one i i'm not like i don't make music i i like making videos but like only trailers and stuff like that I'm I really like music. I think most of the games that I work on they a lot of the inspiration comes to me from listening to music. I'm 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 listening to a track and I'm like my god like this really like this really resonates with me and and I close my eyes and I'm thinking of like oh what would be like a cool like gameplay snippet that would go with this music, you know. And that's where Lovely Planet came from. That's where all of the Lovely Planet games like I just I I it's like my creative process if you want to call it that. I know it sounds like a little bit cringy but that's that's basically what i do like the music is where it comes from i feel to me to a very great extent uh so yeah man like if i i think of like uh putting like all this great music that i listen to into a game uh right and uh a music video sure maybe but uh, definitely i want like all the tracks that i love all the music that i love i want like a game to go with it and that's where it comes from that's why i'm like all right let's uh let's start a new project let's let's see what i can make I could totally see, you know, an official soundtrack coming out with an official video accompaniment to the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another with Lovely Planet. Maybe a bit early, you know, in terms of like how much budgetary 
investment you can make, but like it's not unreasonable to think you could have a legitimate like J-pop soundtrack to a Lovely Planet game. I'm sure it's possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's possible. Like I could definitely like arrange for that if I was going for something like that. Just the budgets that I work with, I'm, you know, I work by myself. Like I don't have a team. That's something I want to, you know, sort out in the future. I want, like you can only make, I can only make a certain kind of game uh, with a certain scope if I'm working by myself. I've never worked in a team and like I really feel that that holds me back in many ways. Like if I could make if I could make something bigger, better uh with more people, then yeah man, like the opening the opening cinematic for that that game could definitely be like a a high budget animated <laughs> uh frame by frame lovely planet aesthetics with some like rocking J-pop at the back. Yes. You know the That'd kind of so like cool. the kind of cutscene that really gets you pumped to like get into the game. Like back in the '90s when games would come out, even the 2000s, like they they would start with an intro cinematic, like one of those the ones that really get you excited to play the game. Uh, I remember the one from Crisis, like uh, where they show off the suit. Uh, I don't know if you've played Crisis, but that like that 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 would get you so excited to play the game. Like this is just dripping with awesome. Like I want to be that guy. Like can you please just get me to the fucking menu, please? So like one of those yeah videos. I would I would totally be down to have one of those in my games. There's just something about a good opening cinematic. It used to be kind of a requirement, and now a lot of games like kind of forego it or you know. Mm-hmm. But like yeah. that PlayStation era, like one era. Where like every single game you played had like this like long arduous <laughs> opening cinematic. Yeah, yeah, I know. What happened? What I know. Happened? Yeah, I don't know where that went. They were so initially. I think they came from uh, games needed like an idle, like an idle mode. Mm-hmm. So when games were being presented, they they didn't want it to be you know stuck on the menu. So that's why like if you left games on the menu, it would go into like a cinematic. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, I don't know if I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why they don't do that anymore. Like, uh, there's probably some reason there. I'm not too sure, but those were. I think that the like even in like old Blizzard games, right? Like the cinematics were like a reward. Like you'd play hours of Diablo two, and you would be stuck in this like a whole like uh, act of the game, right? There are four or five acts or whatever, and then you're playing this act and you're dying and you're coming back. You're losing your items. You're defeating mini bosses. You defeat bosses. And after hours of like playing, you get this awesome, uh, you know, pre-rendered cutscene with the characters that you're playing, with, right? And and that that was like a reward. That was like an unlock almost, right? Like oh, I unlocked the fourth cinematic of the game, right? Now you yeah. now we get items or whatever. Like back in the day, it was just like oh, I got to see the the pre-rendered cutscene, which was like this this awesome example of like computer graphics or whatever at the time. <laughs> So that was a reward in and of itself, and I, I don't think we do that anymore because the like the whole idea of a cinematic has lost its charm. I think to some extent. Uh, yeah. So that's like I, I think that's just the old way of doing things at this point. I feel like the uh, you know that really shined. Sorry, go ahead. No, I want you to say what you had to say first, and then I'll finish. I was going to say that that really shined in a lot of the older arcade style skateboarding and rollerblading games, like mm-hmm. in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. You know, your achievements, the things that you would unlock unlock throughout the game were, you know, videos, edits of real professional skaters in real life. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's good stuff, I think. Best. Such a great reward. To your point of them kind of being beat to death, I think that kind of happened around, like, Gears of War type stuff. Where That was kind of the beginning of the end in terms of, is this a game or am I watching a movie? 
you know, and yeah, Gears of War, you press the A button throughout the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Games changed, I think. Yeah, because I think I think also the computer graphics caught up, right? Like, uh, your in-game your in-game graphics are are almost like pre-rendered, like cutscenes now. Man, I remember from back in the day. The first time I played on Uncharted, I want to say three, I was sitting in the living room and it was like me and my grandpa are sitting there. He walks in and he legitimately thought he was watching a movie. Like he really didn't know. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's as good. I remember even people with the movie Beowulf, like we were thinking that was a live action movie until they got to the theater. Yeah, Yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah, Yeah. like super realistic, right? Um. So yeah, I think like that's something that we've just we've just left behind. If you can still do it, uh, I don't know what kind of uh, if it, what kind of impact it would have. Because also like it's also you know the internet like that also ruins it to some extent. Where back in the day you would get a game right, uh, there's no internet and like you get a CD and uh, you know a couple of your friends are playing it and there is a cutscene in the game. All right, there's a cutscene 16 hours into the game. And you only the only way you get to see that cutscene is by playing those sixteen hours and beating the boss, right? There's no other way for you to be able to see that. Like you can't just go on Kids YouTube. Go to YouTube, right? Yeah. Right. Like that's that's why adventure games died a little bit. Is because you can just look everything up, right? That's where I think games like Dark Souls come in to like change that. Where they there are games now that are aware of the fact that a million people will be playing it, right? So back in the day, it was more of like a one-on-one thing. So giving a cutscene in exchange for playing the game uh, for a certain period of time and getting through the challenges made a lot of sense. So I think like we'll come up with our like a new way to like reward players, loot boxes or something. I don't know, man. So earlier, not to like just straight up segue away from it, but you mentioned how you wanted to explore different ideas and different genres and things. What do you think? Are, are kind of the routes that you want to go from here from here so yeah after lovely planet 2 came out i've i've been on a little bit of a hiatus like i've i've kind of stepped away from not just games development but man i've not even been playing games recently like uh life's happening you know just going through a phase like uh doing other stuff uh but yeah coming back i think I don't have, like, uh, I used to be, like, obsessed with, like, a certain genre of games before. Uh, like, of course, like, first-person shooters, right? Uh, so most of my ideas would revolve around doing something with the FPS genre. Uh, at this point, like, I, I just want to, like, the, the one thing that inspires me is, like, I just want to do something new. I just want to do something that, you know, we haven't seen before. Uh, that could be, you know, that could be a fixed, like, genre, but with with one thing turned on its head, right? Or it could be something that just you can't even recognize it's a game anymore. Like, I want to just, I want to experiment with, like, all these different things. Like, I'm super interested in, like, how social media works. I want to figure out, like, ways to get players together on the internet in, in new and, like, unique ways. Look at look at Among Us, right? That, that game's, it's everywhere. What is that game? What genre of game is that? Right? Like, uh... That's yeah. That's the kind of stuff I want to do. I don't want to like limit myself to certain kinds of genres. I just I just want to do something completely different. Wise words. Definitely. Let's see what comes words. out though. <laughs> let's see what comes out. Like this is just it's all it's all it's all talk right now. But let's see. I I mean, if you can just keep the same amount of creative juice 
It's I don't even doubt it in terms of like can you accomplish your goals. It's like can you continue to have the same motivation, right? Like so they talk about that. I mentioned the term sophomore album earlier. They say mm-hmm. that like a rock band when they make their first album, they've had their entire life up to that point to make that album. And like if they come out really hot, it's it's not hard to make a great first album. It's difficult to make mm-hmm. a great second album. So when you True. shift fundamentally from where you were before you try to capture lightning in a bottle for a second time that mm-hmm. is where it's difficult and Tell i trust that it, if you can yeah if you can keep the same creative juice flowing through your veins that you had when you made the first lovely planet i'm certain that whatever you make will be awesome here's hoping man here's hoping like i hope so too i just <laughs> i feel that our lovely planet was just like a watershed moment, right? Like I lost, like you yeah. said, like the energy in the bottle and all of that, right? That, 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 you, 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 I lost a part of me when lovely planet came out, right? That's like beautiful. That, that energy, that, the, 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 the hunger to like create something, right? Like I've always wanted to make something. Like I was, I was, I was always that kid who's like, oh, one day I'm going to make a video game and a million players are going to play it all over the world. And then after that happens, uh, you're just like looking in the mirror, you're like, okay, now what? Like, what are you going to do with your life now? Like, you did it. Like, just, what are you going to do? Right? So I think a lot of, like, the last couple of years has been that, when I'm just trying to, like, figure out what, like, what am I going to do? Uh, and I think in that process, like, I've, I've, I feel like I've come full circle, where I'm, I'm, I'm getting, you know, I had a little bit of, like, uh, what do you call it? Like, fear of missing out. Like I, I was always working on video games. Like I didn't have a life, right? And uh, coming out of Lovely Planet, I was like, okay, now you know I can do whatever the hell I want. Like I don't want to, I don't have those, uh, I don't have that promise to live up to because I, 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 you know, I made good on it. Like I made the, I, I said I was gonna make video games. I did it. Now I can just do whatever the hell I want. And I, and I had a lot of fun. Like after, <laughs> after Lovely Planet, I traveled the world. I, I, you know, I went all these cool places. I, I got jobs in like different countries. Uh, I met a lot of cool different people. I did, you know, went on fun adventures, uh, went backpacking, and uh, after like seeing all of that, I'm 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 getting more to terms with the fact that yeah, you know what, I should I should get back to making video games because that's where it's at for me. Like there isn't really much else. Uh, so is that, that what I, brought you to Hong Kong? Uh, yeah, I before Hong Kong also like uh, I was uh, I was working a job in in Thailand in in Bangkok I was working in a games development studio over there, uh, and uh, after that I I quit that job because you know I could after one year of like being stuck to a desk I was like yeah whatever like I don't need to do this, and uh, I left I I I went to um I went to Europe I I did like a backpacking trip across Europe with my brother. Uh, came back from that. I'm like, all right, now I got to do something else. Uh, went to Vietnam, uh, and uh, I got a motorbike in Saigon, and I drove it all the way to Hanoi, and and all the way out to the Chinese border. I was like, yeah, let's go, wow. like you know, a real life adventure. Like it's like a yeah. it's like an adventure game, but it's real life. Pretty much what was going on in my head. I won't lie, you know. Um, I'd like to see I'm, a video game of your adventure. Road trash, basically. Road trash. That's a perfect. I'll produce it. Let's sign him up right now. Gilmo, go ahead and start making the drawing up the contract. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, so we're uh, we're past the hour mark now, so it's time to kind of start looking at wrapping things up. But before we do, Gilmo, do you have any last minute comments or questions you'd like to pass Victor's way? 
Nothing in particular. I definitely hit all the uh, questions I had in mind. Thank you for answering all those so uh, so perfectly, Victor. Cheers, man. Thanks. Thanks. Now, do you have anything that you'd like to say before we get out of here, like in terms of just like plugging anything, any projects, social media, uh, just words um, of wisdom that you'd like to pass on to other aspiring any developers, anything like that? Words of wisdom, just just keep at it. You know, uh, don't think about what other people are doing. Like, if you think that there's something out there that you want to go after, you should go after it, even if people are telling you it's not good enough or whatever. Never listen to them. Uh, just do your thing. That's that's my words of, of wisdom. Uh, otherwise, yeah, um, I'm, I'm getting back to developing video games. Like, I wasn't doing that the whole of, like, last year. I'm getting back to it. I, I post updates on, on my Twitter, at underscore vidbat. And... Uh, I have my website where you can look at all of my games. That's uh, quicktequila.com. Uh, quick and you can get Lovely Planet on Steam and Xbox and PlayStation. And Lovely Planet 2 came out last year, uh, which you can pick up on Steam. That's, yeah, that's my plug. All right, dude. Uh, this has been really an outstanding interview. Like, I've had a lot of fun. Awesome. In particular, you know, uh, we have lots of people that come do interviews with us and all this kind of shit. And then sometimes I just go out on a limb, right? Like I had no knowledge of you prior to maybe like what, two weeks ago, Gelmo, when you were like, you got to play this game. And yeah, about two weeks ago. And I was really confused of like, I was trying to find you. Right. And I'm like, okay, so this game is kind of like Chinese looking or you know, East Asian looking. And then I found your website and it's like, it says you're from India. I'm like, what the, f- how, where the fuck is this guy? I finally tracked you down. And it's like, you know, just, you've been saying the entire interview, like, I don't, I didn't really plan on this. It just happened like the way it did. And right. it's like, so it just happened perfectly. And that's how I found you too. So maybe you have some kind of special aura about you, but maybe man, maybe yeah. Really, uh, keep it up. And yeah. You're invited back thanks anytime lot, you want. Anytime you want. Yeah, thanks for having me. Like, I'm usually not good at podcasts. I, I'm, I don't, uh, I don't really like uh, find it easy to like you know talk about the game. But I've, I've been getting to terms, terms with that. Like, I, I, I like to talk about the game now and like tell people about it. So it was, uh, it was fun, fun being on here and, and talking to you guys about the game. Thanks for playing it and, and telling you know your followers about it and all of that. Hey, dude, when you come back, we'll talk about Road Trash. It'll be great. Yeah, Perfect. we're looking forward to your next project no matter what it is. We'll definitely be keeping an eye. Soon, man, soon. Thank you to VidBot for joining us. Quick Tequila, Victor, whatever the fuck you want to call him, the man of many names and the man of many games. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he comes out with in the future. Also, big thank you to Gel Mustan for joining us. I could not have gotten as in-depth with this interview as I would have wanted to without him. So, again, always huge props to Gel Mustan. Thank you to all of our wonderful supporters out there. You guys know who you are, but I'm going to tell the whole world who you are just in case they don't already know. Paul, Moose, Dots, Zach, Alexander, Brad, Red-Eyes, Green Dragon, Anthony, Robert, Zach, Brandy, Fred, Lord Revan, you are the lifeblood. You guys keep the lights on here. That's amazing. Thank you so much for uh, putting your money where your mouth is in terms of uh, supporting the show. I know you guys work hard for that, and uh, the fact that you see fit, that you take enough value in the keep to put it 
over here to support this thing, not only does it make me happy, but it pleases the drowned god Katala. For those of you out there wondering, how can I get my name on that list of people that sound so cool? Head over to inthekeep.com forward slash support. You can find all the different ways to support the show from there. Many different ways. Obviously, patrons get access to all episodes early. So that's one route you can go, but there are many others. Check out some of our affiliate links. we got some cool ones down there. Not going to bore you with the details today. Just want to say, I love you. The Drowned God Katala loves you. And until next time, stay in the keep.